I did a wonderful song, and we all do have so much to be so very thankful for, uh, that God has been good to us, and uh, though things may not be perfect, and we don't always uh, get our way, and uh, things don't always go our way, God is still good, and uh, you know, we're, we have much to be thankful for. This month, we've been talking about thankfulness, and how we need to uh, remember and to uh, hold on to that spirit of thankfulness and uh, thankfulness is not just something that we should do uh, in November uh, especially the fourth Thursday of November but we should because of what God has done for us be thankful always and so this morning I want to speak to you for a few minutes on harvesting a grateful heart how do we cultivate and harvest a heart that's thankful and grateful for what the Lord has done. And to help us to uh, figure that out, I invite you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 138. Now, this is a Psalm of David. Uh, you know, as we uh, have done often, you know, a couple weeks ago, we shared uh, some of those things that we're thankful for in salvation and church family and our uh, physical families and our jobs and. Uh, several of those kind of things were among our list. Um, and that's a good thing. Uh, we have to constantly remind ourselves just how blessed we are. Now, there are some people in this world that have a, an attitude of ungratefulness. And they expect and they say they deserve uh, stuff. Well, the reality is none of us deserve anything good. And yet God freely bestows uh, good things on all folks. We appreciate our community and, and many of you that gave food yesterday and uh, will be able to help some families um, with uh, Thanksgiving uh, because of the generosity of our neighborhood and, and you. Uh, and we're so thankful for that. There will be some, hopefully all, will take it and be grateful and thankful because they've been blessed. Uh, I'm sure not any of these three that we've got names to and we're going to visit uh, tomorrow uh, and deliver these food boxes, but uh, there, there's some that when they get something, somebody says, well, I don't like that brand. Can, can you go and can you get me this and give me this color and... Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want Kroger brand. I want, I want the real stuff, you know. And, uh, you know, we, and many in our society, that's how they live. Uh, they have this sense of entitlement. And this is not the attitude that God desires for us, and that is not reflective of a grateful heart. And so let's take a look and see what God has to say uh, through uh, King David uh, about a grateful heart. David says, I will praise you with my whole heart before the gods. I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name." In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. 
as they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, I will, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. What a marvelous and wonderful uh, psalm. As, as David wrote a good number of psalms, not all of them, but a good number of them probably more than any other uh, single person or group of, of people, uh, David wrote. And why did David have such a heart for praise? Well, I'm going to tell you that it w was reflective of David's personal walk with God. David praised God and David knew God because God had worked powerfully in David's life. He knew that God was able to save and that God was able to forgive and that God was able to provide because God had done all of those things for him. We don't know when exactly David wrote this psalm, but there's plenty of opportunity throughout David's life when he could have penned these words. And I want to know, you to know, and I want us to have the same heart that David had. Because David was not perfect. If you read David's story in the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, he was far, far from perfect. And he did some things and he committed sins that would make even the hardest heart blush, even the most hard criminal blush. And yet the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. Because David understood his imperfections but he knew how perfect God was. And he knew God's forgiveness and God's peace and God's mercy was perfect. And he also realized he was not. And so thankfulness and being grateful is not something that we just think about or even an attitude that, that we have. But it's a verb. It's something that we practice. And so we're going to talk this morning about three things that we can practice to help us harvest a grateful heart. And the first is this, that we practice praise. Multiple times through these eight verses, David mentions praising and, you know, God that with his whole heart singing praises before the Almighty God. I think that when David, hit, you know, the last half of that first verse says, before the gods I will sing praises to you, and that really is quite an unfortunate uh, translation, I think, of what David was trying to, to get across, and we, we lose some of the, the power of what, a lot of times when uh, the Bible, when, especially in the Old Testament, talks about gods, it's talking not about many gods, but the greatness of the one true God. And I think that's what David is talking about here specifically in this psalm. He knew that God was almighty. That above him there was no other. And he also knew 
that he could come before him. What did he say? He didn't say, I would sing far off praises. He said, I will sing praises before you. In other words, David walked with God. And when we walk with God, one of the fruits of walking with God is being thankful. It is realizing what God has done for you and in you and through you. And it's a wonderful thing to know that despite all of our failures and all the things that we are not, God says, I love you, and I'm going to use you, and you are the most precious thing to me. To think that God made every valuable thing in this world, he made every bit of gold that's in this world. He made all the, the various ore, everything in this world. And the thing that he's most proud of and the thing that he loves most is you and me and all people. People are God's favorite and greatest creation. It's the only part of his creation that he came and died for. Because he loved us so much. So God's love really is great and marvelous. And it is a wonderful thing when throughout the week, not just on Sunday, although we are thankful we can come together and we live in a country where we're free. You know, we didn't have to worry about anybody you know, threatening us if we came to church today. Um, you know, we, we're, we're free to come. And the opposite of that is true. We're free not to come. And there's plenty of folks that chose not to come. But the thing is, we gather, there's something special when God's people come together. But can I tell you that you can worship God and you can sing before Him on Monday and on Thursday just as much as you can on Sunday? God wants to hear you sing and, and speak with Him and walk with Him, not just on the Sabbath day, not just on special occasions, not just when there's some kind of trouble that's come up, but all the time. You remember last week we looked at that verse from Paul that said, in all things give thanks. Paul understood, and Paul was another one that uh, gives us an example of cultivating a grateful heart. It comes not by having bunches of stuff. Can I tell you, some of the most miserable people on earth, some of the most ordinary people that I've ever known are rich people. And they're miserable. Happiness and peace does not come from stuff. You, you ever thought about it this way? You know, you might at some time you drive by this great big huge house that has twenty bedrooms. You say, "Man, Carl probably said, Evelyn, I wish we had the house like that.'" And Evelyn's thinking, "I'm sure glad I don't, because if I have twenty bedrooms, that means I have twenty bedrooms I have to keep cleaning. And the more stuff we have, that's all. Just more stuff we have to keep up with." Paul said it this way. He said, you know what? I know how to have a lot, and I know how to have a little. 
but I've learned in all things to be content. How did he learn that? How did David learn that? How do we learn that? Well, one of the most important ways is we practice praise. We praise God that we're thankful, that we give God thanks for all circumstances and in all circumstances, and that we, we walk with him and that we know him. As you see, David didn't just sing empty songs to the Lord. The songs that came out of King David and the others that wrote the songs came out because they walked with God and they knew God. And they knew who he was and they knew what, what he was about. And he understood that, hey, listen, if I'm going to say that I'm God's, and, and God is my God and I'm his, that means I've got to practice what he practices. And I've got to think like he thinks. And I have to act like he acts. David understood as king. The people did not owe him to bow before him. He knew there was only one to bow before. There are other Jewish kings that we read about in the books of history that did not learn that lesson and thought that they were the Almighty and forgot God and programmed God right out of their life and it was trouble when that happened. Not that David didn't have trouble. David certainly knew trouble. He knew people talking bad about him. He knew even within his own family, people talked about him. His own wife was, is recorded sometimes uh, speaking things against saying, man, you're, you're an idiot. Um, you know, that's probably something every wife thinks about their husband, but some just have enough sense not to voice it. Um, because it means if their husband's an idiot, it means they chose to marry an idiot. And... Well, that looks bad on them, so best keep that quiet. Uh, and so, but, but David knew what it was to be talked about, and he knew what it was to have enemies. He knew what it was to have people chasing after his life. He knew what it was to have a dysfunctional family. And I, I tell you, every family has a little bit of dysfunction in it, but David's family took the cake. David's family was messed up. And yet, David can say, blessed be the name of the Lord. God, I'm going to praise you, and I'm going to come before you, and I'm going to sing for all it's worth because you've been so very good to me. And so we harvest a grateful heart as we give praise to God. And I tell you that you ought to take some time every day and perhaps definitely multiple times through the day to find things to thank God for. Yes, you thank Him for His love and His goodness and for how He provides and the material things that we have and we thank Him for the food that we eat. And that's all good. But we have to understand, there's a lot that we have to be thankful for. No matter if our world is falling apart. No matter if, you know, we, we're, 
you know, things aren't going the way that we want them to go. God's still with us. And God still works His perfect plan and brings His perfect salvation our way. And so it's important that we practice praise. But it's also important as we want to harvest and cultivate this attitude of gratefulness. The second thing is this, that we not only practice praise, but that we practice prayer. David said, listen, I was in trouble and I called out to you and you heard me. David understood that part of worship and part of praising God was prayer. And we in the book of Psalms have some wonderful prayers that David prayed. Where, where he bears his heart to God. David understood that prayer is a two-way street. Yes, it's us speaking to God. And bringing our praises and our uh, thanksgiving and our requests to Him. But prayer is a two-way street because also as we go to God in prayer, God speaks to us. And as we pray, He answers those prayers. Sometimes with a yes, sometimes a no, and sometimes a, a not now. But He answers our prayers. And so David practiced a life of prayer. He praised God and was thankful. And he prayed. He understood that he needed God in his life. Look at what he says in verse 6. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. The proud he knows from afar. In other words, God appreciates us knowing and understanding and bringing before Him our needs. If we think we're the end-all and be-all, we don't need to pray, do we? Because everything relies upon us. But here's the reality of the matter. When things rely upon us, we oftentimes make a mess of things. And we're often not able to accomplish what we know God wants us to and uh, what we want to. Why is it? Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, without me you can do no good thing. Paul knew that as well. In Philippians 4, 13, you remember, he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so as we want to harvest and have this grateful heart, how do we accomplish that? Well, we, we praise, but we also pray. We, we commune with God. And we talk with God. Listen, there are psalms that uh, uh, David wrote a couple, others, the sons of Asaph wrote a couple, others wrote a few. Uh, they're, they're called imprecatory psalms. They're psalms that say things like, bash my enemies and bash their children against the rocks and uh, you know, things like that. And you know, that's part of Scripture. And I think what those imprecatory psalms show us is that, listen, even when we're mad, and even when things like things are unfair, we need to bring those things before God. And remember that God is ultimately going to bring justice and righteousness one way or the other. 
And so as we see our world fall apart, and if you watch the news any at all, it only takes a couple of minutes of watching news, realize this world's going to hell in a handbasket. You know what? We can fret about it. We can let it raise our blood pressure. Or we can pray. Now what's better for your blood pressure? And what's better for your spirit? It's not worrying about it, it's praying about it. And saying, God, we know that you are almighty and that though this nation in many ways has forgotten how you've blessed it and how you've set it apart, But Lord, I think that you're real in my life. And regardless of who's in the White House or what those ninnies in Washington, D.C. are up to, you're still on the throne. And around the world, you know, there's no place in this world that's not going, you know, having trouble. And I mean, it's it's crazy some of the things going on in our world. And yet, God is still God. And ultimately, God is going to have the last word. Is God happy with the way things are in this world? Absolutely, he's not. I think it makes him cry. It certainly makes him shake his head. And yet, he loves us. And yet, he continues to work among us. And yet he is continually working to call people unto himself. And so when trouble comes, your response is not, oh no, the sky is falling. Rather, it's falling on our knees and saying, Almighty God, we desperately need you. I know there have been various times, Seth, the history teacher, he he probably has had some, some classes and done some study about the revivals that have taken place in American history and world history. And you know what? God is able, and God moves, and it's in times of when, when things are not good, and when there are all kinds of bad stuff that God shows up and revival breaks out and turns things around. Well, here's the great thing, is that God that worked in David's life, and God that worked in Paul's life, is the same God today. And he has the same power today that he had in the 1st century A.D. and in the 20th century B.C., if there were that many centuries before. He's still all-powerful. And he can still do the same things. God said to uh, the prophets, he reminds us in 2 Chronicles 7.14, you remember that great revival verse? If my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves, Seek my face, call upon me, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. When I tell you that in America, our land needs healing, and there's not a nation in this world that doesn't need healing and peace. But peace is not going to come by throwing money at problems, and it's not going to come by being entitled and raising up a generation of people that feel like they're entitled to stuff. Rather, it will come by knowing the Almighty. And the reality is that there's nothing we can really do to change some things in this world. No matter 
how much we worry and fret about it. But there is a God that's almighty and can change situations and can change people's hearts and change the course of human history. James said it this way, he said, The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. God's people's prayers accomplish a lot. But here's the thing, in order for God's people's prayers to accomplish a lot, they have to be prayed. Jesus said in the gospel, he said, you have not because you ask not. Maybe we need to seek the Lord and ask him to revive our land and to heal its brokenness. But that brings me to the last thing this morning. Not only do we need to practice praise and practice prayer, but we need to practice perseverance. stick to or hanging in there is what perseverance means. I needed a P word, and so that's the one I came up with. But it simply means hanging in. David said this, he said, you know what, I know God, you are going to take care of my enemies. In verse 7 he says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you'll revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. In other words, David said, you know what, yes, there have been times in my life, and in fact there's often, it seems like, you know, months and months, and maybe even years and years of nothing but trouble. And sometimes we feel like that as well, but we need to know, as David knew, that if we hang in there, we go to God in prayer, that God's going to work things out. Things will work out because God is still God. He said, the Lord will take care of those things that concern me. He said, Lord, your mercy endures forever. Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations this way. He said, you know what? Every morning, new mercies I see. Morning by morning. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, to me. And so we need to practice perseverance. So often, when tragedy comes, and we don't see God working the way we think He ought to work, we give up on Him. And we say, you know what? If God's so loving, and God's so merciful and gracious, then this wouldn't have happened. And we turn our back and, and walk away from God. But here's the thing is that, you know what, we can only see the short term and the immediate. But God can see eternity. And when we walk with him and we know him and he knows us. And we've praised him and we are praying to him every day. 
throughout the day. Paul admonishes us in Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. Now, he doesn't mean quit your jobs and you know, go to the church, go to the altar and pray you know, 24-7. But what he does mean is that we're to pray about everything that, that comes into our life, and we ought to have, be connected to the Lord that at a moment's notice we can reach out to him and he, he hears us, or when he speaks to us, we, we hear. Because that two-way street is, is open and, and unclogged. David knew what it was to have troubles. I suspect that you know what it is to have troubles. Because having troubles is part of living in this world. And there are obstacles that are difficult to overcome. And yet, despite those difficulties, God is good, and He's merciful, and He's faithful. And when we hard, you know, when we've cultivated the, this heart of gravity, when we've done these practices, when we've prayed, and when we praise, and when we hang in there, when we persevere, that creates within us a grateful heart. And Scotty McCurry, country music uh, singer that won American Idol, um, been a lot of years ago now. Uh, Seth was probably uh, middle school when, when that happened, I'm not sure. But it was a good while ago. But one of his songs has the, the Lord, uh, he, he, the family is sitting down at the table for a family meal. And the mom prays a prayer like this. Thank you for my loud children. And thank you for toys being all over the floor. And thank you for there being dirty dishes in the sink. Because all those things that can seem like problems only mean there's blessings. And we need to focus on the blessings. And that helps us. See, by doing these three things, it helps us to keep doing them. And it helps us to know God deeper and to love God more. The more we praise God, the more we recognize, man, we've got a lot to praise. You know, I've known a lot of people, especially young Christians, say, have come to me and said, Preacher, I, I don't know what to pray. And what do I pray about? I come, I pray, 30 seconds, I'm done. And my advice to them is, make a list. You know, as they write out, make a lit, and they say, man, now I don't have enough time to pray about all the things that I need to pray about. And when we praise God, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of bad news, even in even the midst of things that don't turn out the way that we think they should, to be able to say, God, thank you that you are good. And you are loving. 
and your mercy endures forever. So God's mercy, David understood, and David tells us in this psalm, hey, listen, God's mercy is there when things are going great. And we're excited and it's easy to praise God, but God's mercy is still there when our world has just blown up. And we've gotten bad news or something has happened to us or to a loved one that to us does not seem fair. But when we've cultivated these practices, when those things happen, we say, God, you know what, this is a mess. But thank you that I don't have to handle it myself. That I can give it to you and you'll take care of it that you'll work it out. Now, that doesn't mean that we just sit on the couch and watch God work. Oftentimes, we're a part in working it out. But it's God that that gives the direction and God that does the work. So how do we harvest a grateful heart? We practice praise. We practice prayer. And we practice perseverance. I hope God will help us to do that. That God would give us a grateful heart. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, we are so very blessed. Lord, we have many material things that we are thankful for. But, Lord, perhaps the most important thing that we're thankful for is that you claim us as your children. Through all our imperfections, through all our turning aways and turning asides, you pursue after us. And you give forgiveness. And as David reminded us in Psalm 138, your mercy endures forever. Lord, our prayer is that if there's one here today, one listening online that does not know you and your mercy and your peace and your forgiveness, Lord, help them today to call upon you and to receive that great gift. But Lord, for those of us that do know you and we're saved and we're your children, help us to cultivate and harvest a grateful heart. Lord, if there's a decision that needs to be made today, help us to make it, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together, my friend, and God's spoken to you today as we sing this hymn. Uh, we invite you to, to respond how God has... Maybe you just need to simply say, God, thank you. Maybe it's been a while since you've said thank you to God. And you need to do that this morning. Let's sing together. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich 